welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Veritas. Anyone follow through on the homework you were given last week? Keep a list? The good and the bad, depending upon how your week went and how you handle snowstorms, maybe the ugly that you wrote down. Those lists, the, the good list, do you think all that's good enough to earn your way into right standing with God? All those good things you did? Come on, can't you just be a good person? Of course, probably if you look at your list, the other side outweighs the good list. If we're being honest. Otherwise, maybe you just want to add, I just lied to to your list. Those lists can be um, frustrating. When we we look at our lives and we we look at, you know, this is is the sum total of my week and this is my heart. This is my attitude. These are my actions. Well, God, I guess I don't blame you for judging us. I guess I don't blame you for setting up these different hurdles for us to jump over. That's what the old covenant seemed like. It was a hurdle, a really big hurdle. And when we read last week in Exodus chapter 19, where God promises, you will be my people, I will be your God, you will be unto me a holy nation if you keep my commands. If you do these things and then you read through those things over and over and over again, there's a laundry list of all kinds of stuff to do. It's almost depressing and frustrating when you think about, I have to do all this? And yet the people responded, All that you have said, we will do. We know how well that works. I mean, skim through any of the Old Testament. Because this was in Exodus where they said, yeah, we'll do that. Exodus 19. Now just read the whole rest of the book and see how well that worked out. It's impossible for us to be able to do anything on our own to achieve good standing with God. Impossible. That's why over and over again, they had to do all these sacrifices. You know, we acknowledged last week, there's, in, in Hebrews, it's, it's written, where there can be no forgiveness of sins, there can be no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. When we understand that, then it kind of leads us forward to the, just the bloodbath that followed with sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice because, again, it's impossible for us to keep that list. It's impossible for us to attain to what God has set up. He knew that too. Some people would say, well, you know, if, and we even asked the question of ourselves as we were kind of going through this. If, if God knew that we couldn't do it, then why didn't he just establish the new covenant, why didn't he just, you know, like, why not just skip to the end 
Say, I, I, I know you're incapable of doing this. I know you're incapable of doing this. So I'm going to do this. Why not just scratch these things and just start here? I think because we're stupid humans. And we need to see that without this, we're incapable. We need to come to the understanding that, you know what, we can't do it ourselves. We are nothing without God. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we try and do and try and accomplish, we're incapable of gaining our entry into the kingdom. Gaining entry into eternal life with the Father. It's only because of him. And he wanted us to come to that conclusion, to see it for ourselves. Because how many of you learn from other people's experiences? Yeah. Or you learn from your own experiences. If God just told you this is how it's done, well, I'm not quite sure. Let me try it myself. And he wanted us to walk that path to come to the understanding that we are nothing without him. We are dependent on him. And it's because of him that we can go forward. The Israelites said, yes, we will do all that you say. It's February 1st. We're a month into the year, 2015. January has passed us by. Usually at the beginning of the year, except for those who say, you know, I I never keep any... Uh, resolution, so I just don't make them. That way I don't fail. But many of us probably said, you know, okay, it's a new year, January 1st. I, I want to lose weight. I want to exercise more. I want to eat better. I want to I wanna quit smoking. I want to quit drinking. I, I want um, to start a new hobby or begin a new project. Planet Fitness lives off of you. They get your membership in January and then, like, January 2nd, you go in there and you're going to wait forever to get into the locker room. You're going to wait forever to get onto any one of the exercise machines. But it's February 1st. There's no lines, no waiting. Because everyone has failed. at the, We've all said, all that you say, we will do. I have a great intention. Unfortunately, just like us and just like the Israelites, what we say and what we do, our, our hearts are not in the relationship. Our hearts are not truly tied to what we say. And we fail. God knew this. He wanted us to see it for ourselves. If you've got your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31. You should be familiar with it if uh, you did the other part of the homework reading ahead. But in Jeremiah 31, I love this section because God speaks again. In Jeremiah 31, beginning with verse 31, it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. There's there's something that God speaks to right there, kind of a picture. He says, I was their husband. 
Now, men, just get the gender deal out of your mind. And realize the identity that God calls us to. Though I was their husband, speaks to us as the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And in that, we need to understand, if we're the bride of Christ and he is the husband, we are married, we are joined together. It's a great picture of what we're supposed to be when we're in relationship with Christ. It's a great picture of, of who God sees when we're in relationship with Christ. When God looks at you, you are a new creation and there is Christ within us. And so when God looks at you, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, when Christ sees you, or when God sees you, he, he doesn't see you. He sees Christ because the two are one. And our sin has been removed. Our sin, we, we, we are in Christ. So when he looks at us, he sees one. And he sees Christ. He sees us as forgiven. We are the bride of Christ. Unfortunately, I think all too often we, we treat marriage differently nowadays. We, we treat it with far less respect than what it should have. We dishonor the bride. We dishonor the groom. I guess it's no different than back then when you read through this. My covenant that they broke though I was their husband, declares the Lord. Picking up in verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one tell, teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, their sin, their failures, the mess-ups, the mistakes, all the above. I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. It's interesting when you think about that. Remember their sin no more. We can forgive people, but we can't forget. You always know, like, yeah, no, I forgave you for that. But I still remember that it happened. God's mind is perfect. He says he, he remembers it no more. I forgive and I forget. Your sin was on the chalkboard, but I've erased it. And there's no remnants of any word on that chalkboard anymore. It's gone. Kind of looking at the relationship that God desired with us. The desire is to be in a relationship. And, and when we... And, I tell you, we're, we're going to jump around in Scripture a little bit this morning. Um, so get ready. Turn to the person beside you. If they look like they're struggling, trying to find where they're going, help them along. We are a family. There's no shame in saying, hey, let me, let me help you get there. But the other thing I want to encourage you is to write things down. Take notes. Write down these Scriptures. I, I love um, in the New Testament where Paul commends the Bereans because they didn't just take his word for it. I'm standing up here and I'm speaking. Don't just take my word for it. Write down the things that I'm speaking. Write down the scripture references. And then this week, go home and, and reread through. He commended the Bereans because they didn't just take his word for it. They went back to scripture to verify what he said. 
I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Do that. Be, be people of the word. Don't just take my word for it. Go back to scripture and make sure it lines up. And if it doesn't, give me a call this week or send me an email or find me next Sunday. In Ezekiel chapter 18, you can flip there if you want or push the button on your screen that says Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 18. Beginning with verse 30. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel. Everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. How, how do I do that? What, like, what is that all about? If you flip a little further in Ezekiel to chapter 36, and I'm going to start in verse 23. This is the Lord speaking again. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. How many of us in our own lives, we're, we're believers, I, I love Jesus. Anyone that calls themselves a believer in Christ, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you sang the song, you prayed a prayer, you, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And yet, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your schools, people would look at your life and say, you're no different than me. The word you just spoke, the thought you just had, the action you just lived out, the things you just looked at, the person you were just with, the things you did with that person, you're no different than me. Well, they were doing the same thing. We unfortunately, give people plenty of excuses to not want to follow God. Well, if that's what, if that's what your God is to you, you, know, you, you say you love Jesus, but if that's what your God is to you and that's how you live, you live no different than me, so why bother? This is what God is speaking to here. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. Your actions, your attitudes have spoken exactly nothing but negativity about who I am. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God. When through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. You will be forgiven. You will be made new. You will be made whole. I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put within you 
And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Something we need to understand is that when it, it is all because of the Holy Spirit. It is all because when we receive Jesus and we have the indwelling and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit within our lives, we are then able to walk out his ways. We are then able to, we can't do it on our own. We've proved that. Go ahead and read through this, or better yet, just look at your own life. We're incapable of doing it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You'll be able to do that because you have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when you have that, he will give you the ability he will give you the empowerment. He'll give you the ability to walk in his ways without stumbling, without falling. Because it's not you. It's not on your own strength. It's through him. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Some of you here maybe have experienced pers- personally a heart transplant. Your ticker just wasn't working right. And the doctors, and it's amazing what they can do nowadays, but heart transplant, heart surgery, they give you a new heart. Spiritually, that's what God wants to do for each of us. Remove this heart of stone from our own lives that keeps us from being able to follow him, being able to be obedient to him. He wants to do heart surgery. He wants to give us a heart transplant. When Christ died on the cross, and I love this picture, when Christ died on the cross, there there was a curtain in the temple. Look at where we are right now, and and I'm going to speak about Catholicism for a minute, and please, this is not bashing. But there's the system within Catholicism. How how do you receive forgiveness? Confession. You go to confession. You go to someone and you confess your sins. And when you confess your sins, you bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been 75 years since my last confession. Now here's my laundry list. And you confess and then, you know, you are forgiven. There's a intermediary. There's someone in between. There's, there's someone that works on your behalf. The picture of when Christ died and the scripture that talks about that curtain that was ripped, that, this isn't like tissue paper. This, this was done in violence. And it was done not only physically, but I think very symbolically a tearing away. That curtain kept the Holy of Holies. That was the inner circle of the temple. It was the place where only the high priest could go. And the curtain was ripped in two, symbolically and physically saying, I'm wide open. There's access for everyone. Anyone can come to me. You don't have to go to an in-between person. There's no middleman here anymore. You've, you've messed up? Talk to me. You can go directly to the source. 
You've got a direct line. Hey, I messed up. You're forgiven. That's how it works. Yes. Thank you, Dad. When Christ died on the cross, the curtain ripped, symbolizing what really God wanted to symbolize to his people full access to him. That relationship that he had, he, he wanted it with them. I talked about the bride of Christ. I talked about this aspect of marriage. It's, it's interesting, in, in a healthy marriage, healthy marriages don't keep lists of... Re- this. Husbands and wives hear this. Healthy marriages don't keep lists of wrongs and rights. Healthy marriages don't keep lists of where their spouse is messed up. She didn't have dinner on the table when I got home tonight. A little too much starch on the collar. Left those socks on the floor again. Healthy marriages don't keep lists of wrong and right. And neither does God. It's about a fresh start. Scripture talks about how his mercies are new every morning. Psalm 103, verse 12. I'm sorry, starting with verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, he removes your sin from you. It's no longer. It doesn't exist anymore. Healthy marriages, because we are the bride of Christ, and he is our husband, he is our groom. Healthy marriages keep no lists of wrong and right. He wipes it away. When we live in a love relationship, there's sacrifice. There's a choosing to die to your own life for the love of another. We're reminded to put to death our own desires, die to ourselves each day. We need to do that so that we can live for another. That sacrifice, I said it before, I'll say it again, it will cost you everything. The sacrifice that's now on the altar is our heart. We lay it down so that he can place within us a new heart. But without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do this. We're dependent. Our life changes forever. Moms, think of the first child you had. Dads, think of the first child that your wife bore. And think of your life pre-child and after-child. Everything changes. 
everything changes. What once was all about just you and your spouse and your happiness and your fulfillment, what do you want to do today? Let's do that. Now there's nothing, and it's all about your child. Sometimes maybe too far over the edge because, you know, we've got to keep the kids happy. No one puts baby in the corner. We, we got to do everything for this kid. You no longer are living for yourself. You're living for your children. You're, you're doing what you can to make your child grow, to help your child grow, to nourish, to keep them healthy, to meet the needs that they have. But when we have our kids and as they grow, we need to instill within them values and we need to keep them safe. And so we create rules. We create boundaries for them. Don't run out in the street. You're not saying don't run out in the street because, you know, you don't want them to have fun because that's where all the fun is. Don't run out in the street because there's cars coming and I love you and I don't want to see you get hurt. I don't want you to die. I want you to live. I like having you around. Sometimes as we're saying, don't run out in the street, you know, we see the kids running across the front lawn and they're making a beeline for the road. And sometimes even though you love them, you have to yell, don't run out in the street! And it's a panic and they're like, oh, why, why are you yelling at me? I'm, I'm not, I love you and I don't want to see you get hurt. God has created some boundaries for us within our own lives. And there are some do's and don'ts. There are some rules. See, there you go again. But he doesn't set those rules up so he can control us. He doesn't set those rules up so that he can say, yeah, see, kept you from having fun last night. He set those rules up because he knows if you break those commandments, if you, if you do those things that he says, please don't do, he understands the hurt and the pain that will come with those things. He does, the, he, he sets those boundaries in place because he's a good, good father and he loves you. And he wants you to stay away from the hurtful, harmful things. He doesn't want to see you get hurt. And that's why he sets those things in place. They're not rules. It's all about a relationship. It's not about the rules. It's about relationship. It's about his desire to be known by you and to know you and to love and to be loved and to keep you from harm to keep you from the heartache that comes with going that way. As your kids grow and they mature, they, they choose to follow the rules or not follow the rules based upon their relationship with you. When your kids are young, you don't have to command respect. You can just command authority because I'm bigger than you. As your kids get bigger, the, the idea is, what, now you're going to spank me? Bring it, old man. You know, it, as your kids get older, it's, it's less of fear of physical consequences. It's more of fear of breaking relationship. And when we, when we in this relationship we have with God, 
It's less about, well, you know, I, I don't want to break the rules because I don't want God to punish me. Really, if we're talking about a relationship that's based on love, the love that we've received from him and the love that we have for him, when it's based on that, man, I don't, I don't want to break the rules because I don't want to break his heart. He's my daddy, and I don't want to mess up the relationship that I have with him. It's love that compels us. It's love that compels us. Not, not this list of rules like don't do this because otherwise you'll be punished. It's, don't do this because, man, don't break his heart. Don't do this because this, it, because you so desperately want to be connected and tied in relationship with him. Love compels us. Love from God and love for God. A couple weeks ago, I was having a conversation with someone and they just shared about how, you know, I'm just, I'm in this, I'm in this hard place right now. I'm in this dry place. I'm in, I'm in, I, I know I'm supposed to, to read the word. I know I'm supposed to journal. I know I'm supposed to do this. I know, and there's one question that nailed it that just drilled right to the root do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Because if you love Jesus, you are going to want to be in his word. You are going to want to be praying. You're going to want to speak to him and you're going to want to hear from him because it's a relationship. If I married my wife 20 years ago and just said, well, that was fun, cool. See you later. That's not a relationship. Every day I want to know something more about my wife. And in a relationship with God, our desire, I I want to know more and more about God. I want to know more and more about what he has for me. I want to know more and more about where he's calling me. I want to know each day I want to know more. Now, for those of you who maybe say, well, I don't need to know anymore because I know everything I need to know about God then your God is far too small because you will never know everything about God. But every day you can learn something new about God, some new facet of his love for you, for his love for humanity. I'm inspired by people who are married 50, 60 years and you hear them say, man, I I wake up every morning and I learn something new about my wife every day. That's the relationship that we should have with God. That we're learning something new of him every day. That that we're in relationship where he speaks with us. We talk with him. We're in this, not because it's a checklist. The to-dos, because I know there's plenty of achievers here in this room. Type A personality where, you know, I've got my to-do list and I've got the checkbox and, yep, spent time with God. A relationship isn't a to-do list. Don't let the motivation of just your to-do list, the check-off box, be the motivation as to why you spend time in the Bible. Let it be about a relationship with Him. That's love compelling you. Not doing things to keep happy, but doing things out of the motivation of love doing things because you don't want to disappoint your father. 
Because of the new covenant, the old covenant is gone. That's good news. In Hebrews 8.13, and you can go there if you want, otherwise just write it down in your notes, you can go there later. In Hebrews 8.13, we read, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. The old covenant is gone. The new covenant has come, and the new covenant is Jesus Christ. The new covenant is a relationship because of his death on the cross and his forgiveness for our sins. The once and for all sacrifice, the blood sacrifice that covered everything. The old covenant is gone. And we now have Jesus. Amen. And that, that is something to, to get excited about. That is something to amen. That the only way that this will work is to make him king. Our husband, our savior, an intimate relationship for us to be able to choose to allow him to shepherd over us. We need to be in love with Jesus. We're not going to be perfect. That's why he made the ultimate sacrifice. Because he knew we were not going to be perfect. We don't go on sinning because we know that hurts the relationship. You guys can come. This morning, actually this afternoon, I believe within this room, there are some who maybe have been coming for the past few weeks, part of this series. Maybe you're here for the very first time this morning. Maybe you've been coming for years. I believe today is the day of salvation. I, day, I believe today for some of you is the day where you say yes to Jesus, where you enter into that relationship, where you say, you know what, I, I am messed up. I've messed up time and time again. I know I'm imperfect. I know I can't do this on my own. I've failed. And I need someone to forgive me. I need that forgiveness. We acknowledge our failures. We ask for forgiveness. And we accept him as savior. This morning, just before the team plays, I want to encourage you, go ahead and close your eyes so that there's no distractions. Just close your eyes. And if you are one of those people, you know that you've tried it your own way and you know that you've time after time failed and you now accept the fact that there's no way you can do this without Jesus and you desire that for yourself would you just raise your hand right where you're at just letting us know that that's you and you want to receive Jesus amen now right where you're at all of you would you pray along with me Dear Jesus, I recognize that I have failed. I recognize that I have sinned. I know that I can't do this on my own. I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my life. 
Make me clean. Restore me. Renew me. Transform me. I accept you as Savior. Help me to grow in your ways each day. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.